your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 355 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today we are going to continue what we started in yesterday's episode, just going to be taking a look at some of the candidates to potentially become the next coach of the New York Rangers. And yesterday we spent a lot of time on John Tortorella, got to a couple of other candidates as well in Chris Knobloch and in Bruce Boudreaux. If you have not heard yesterday's episode, I would suggest that you start there. But today uh, we're going to continue looking at some of the candidates. And uh, we spent a lot of time on John Tortorella yesterday because I think he's such a polarizing figure. There's so much to talk about when it comes to torts. And also just the fact that he used to be the New York Ranger head coach, it just made sense for us to really do our due diligence on him And today, the person who's kind of going to be in that spot is my own personal uh, favorite to become the next New York Ranger head coach, and that's going to be Jared Gallant. And we'll talk about Gallant in great detail in just a second here. But first, I just wanted to take a look at the betting odds from our good friends over at betonline.ag. They have given the, uh, the betting odds on the next New York Ranger head coach. And Gallant right now leading the way, 5-2 to two odds that he becomes the next New York Ranger head coach. He is followed by Bob Hartley. He's at 7-2. to two. We're going to talk about him today as well. Bruce Boudreaux is at 5-1. to one. Tortorella is at 7-1. to one. Then you've got Claude Julian at 8-1. to one. Patrick Waugh at 9-1. to one. Chris Knobloch at 10-1. to one. And then a handful of guys at 12-1 to one odds. you got Mark Messier, Mike Babcock, and Rick Tockett. So, yeah, a lot to uh, talk about today, and obviously we're going to start with Gallant here. So for starters, let's just kind of go through his track record and kind of just trace his path to becoming an NHL head coach. He is 57 years old. He has a track record in the NHL. It's pretty solid. I mean, it doesn't really jump off the page necessarily, but his record in parts of nine seasons as a head coach in the NHL, 270 wins, 216 losses, four ties, and 51 overtime losses. So if we combine all the losses, you know, the regulation losses with the overtime losses, and that's what we've been doing here with all the other different New York Ranger head coaching candidates, so it's only fair that we do it with Gallant here as well. He is 270 and 267. Again, it doesn't necessarily jump off the page, but I just kind of wanted to give you guys a uh, little bit of a background on Gallant, look at all the different stops he's had as a coach, not only in the NHL, but in other leagues as well, and then kind of just make my, my sales pitch, if you will, for why Gallant should be the next coach of the New York Rangers. So he began his coaching career in 1995-1996 in the Maritime Junior Hockey League, leading the Summerside Capitals to the Royal Bank Cup in 1997. He then moves on to the professional ranks. He served as an assistant coach for the Fort Wayne Comets of the IHL in 1998, spent 1999-2000 with the Louisville Panthers as an assistant coach and then gets his first big break in the NHL as an assistant coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets from 2001 to 2004, 
and he became the head coach of the Blue Jackets when Doug McLean resigned and named Gallant his successor. Now, to be totally fair here, it didn't really go all that well for Gallant in Columbus, although I would argue that Columbus, you know, they're not exactly a proud, storied franchise in the NHL, but nevertheless, we do have to be uh, completely fair here. 142 games as Blue Jackets head coach, 56 wins, 76 losses, four ties, and six overtime losses. Missed the playoffs in 2003-2004. Of course, there was no season in 2004-2005. Then in 2005-2006, once again missed the playoffs and then got fired early in the 2006-2007 campaign. He had a record of 5-9-1 at the time of his firing. So that was it for a while. He became an assistant coach for Canada's 2007 World Championship team and led them to or, or helped lead them to a gold medal. He then became an assistant coach for the New York Islanders in 2007-2008, as well as 2008-2009. And then, in 2009, he became the head coach of the St. John Sea Dogs of the QMJHL, spent three seasons with St. John, put together a record of 159 wins, 34 losses, and 9 overtime losses, ends up leading them to two QMJHL championships in 2011 and 2012, and one Memorial Cup in 2011, was also named the QMJHL, as well as the Canadian Hockey League Coach of the Year twice in 2010 and in 2011. Then he returns to the NHL as an assistant coach with the Montreal Canadiens in 2012. And then eight years after losing his job with the Columbus Blue Jackets as their head coach, he finally gets another crack at becoming an NHL head coach. He is hired by the Florida Panthers, and in the first season, they end up missing the playoffs, but they did improve pretty substantially, 25 points better than they finished in the season prior. And then in 2015-2016, uh, Gallant led the Panthers to their best season in franchise history. They set a new franchise record with 47 wins and 103 points. They won the division for the second time in their history. And Gallant was named a finalist for the Jack Adams Award, which of course goes to the best coach in the NHL. He didn't get it for what it's worth. Barry Trotz won it with the Capitals that season. But again, to be fair here, for all the success that Gallant and the Panthers enjoyed in this season, they did lose in the first round of the playoffs to the Islanders four games to two. And then the following season, the Panthers start with a record of 11, 10, and one, and he gets fired, which seems pretty surprising. Seems like kind of a knee-jerk reaction. I mean, think about it. You've got a coach that just led the Florida Panthers. Again, it's one of those franchises that does not exactly have a long and proud and storied history. Uh, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals in what year would that have been? Probably about 1996 or so. They lost to the Colorado Avalanche. But beyond that, I don't really know much of anything that the Florida Panthers have done. So for him to get fired, and again, just with a record of 11-10-1, it's not like they started the season 3-13 and or something, but he got fired, and part of the reason for that might have been that the Panthers had a new general manager. Tom Rowe was the new GM, and for one reason or another, he decided that Jared Gallant was no longer his guy, and Gallant was canned. And so that set the stage for Gallant to move on to the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to talk about that as well as some other uh, just interesting notes and uh, some reasons why I believe that Gallant should be the next coach of the New York Rangers. We're going to dive into all that in just a second here. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Wealthfront. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun, but if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. Team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R 
O-N-T dot com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL and get started today. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into Jared Gallant's history with the Vegas Golden Knights and also why I believe that he kind of got cheated by this franchise. So for starters, he is the first, the inaugural head coach of the expansion Vegas Golden Knights. And lo and behold, what happens in their first year of existence, this team that's basically comprised of castaways and rejects from other teams around the NHL, they go to the Stanley Cup Finals under the direction of Jared Gallant. They do lose in five games to the Washington Capitals. The Capitals finally broke through and won the Stanley Cup. But this is one of those things, I consider this to be one of the more uh, underrated, underappreciated moments really in sports history. Think about this. An expansion team went to the Stanley Cup Finals. An expansion team went to the championship of its respective sport. And I realize, you know, you look at mainstream media, mainstream sports media even, you know, you're not going to get anybody on ESPN to talk about hockey for two minutes. I mean, that's just not going to happen. So, I mean, I've long since given up on that. But even within hockey circles, I feel like this wasn't as big of a deal or it wasn't made to be as much of a big deal as it probably should have been. It was an expansion team. You have an entire roster that's made up of guys that were made available by every other team in the NHL. You have a locker room of players who don't even really know each other. I mean, I'm sure some of them know each other. They probably crossed paths at one time or another in the league, but you get the idea. These are all castaways, and Gerald Gallant gets them to all come together as a team, unify, and just play outstanding hockey and make it to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year of existence. I think it's a tremendous accomplishment. He rightly won the Jack Adams Award that year for Coach of the Year. Obviously, they fell a little bit short in the Stanley Cup Finals, but to me, just really a remarkable performance. And then just a season and a half after getting to the Stanley Cup Finals, Gallant is fired by the Vegas Golden Knights. And that one always just kind of had me scratching my head because think about it. For, forget about the Stanley Cup Finals appearance for just a second here, right? So if you have an expansion team and, and you're like the owner, or the GM or whatever it might be, you're in a position of power. Bottom line, that's the bottom line. You're in a position of power and you control the fate of the head coach in your hands. Wouldn't you want to give him more than just two and a half seasons, right? I mean, think about it. You know, you again, you've got uh, an entire team of just castaways from other franchises. You need some time to kind of bring everybody together to establish a winning culture, to get the kind of players in there that you want to get in there. Don't you think that if a coach is being hired as the inaugural coach in an expansion team's history, that they deserve more than just two and a half seasons to get it going. I mean, maybe not. You know, if the team was absolutely terrible and just were not showing any signs of improvement over those two and a half years, then maybe you could look to go in a different direction. But the bottom line is, in two and a half seasons as the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, Gallant put together a record of 118 wins, 75 losses, and 20 overtime losses. So a total record of 118 wins and 95 combined losses. Of course, we already talked about how they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year of existence. Once again, I cannot stress that enough. And then the following season, they end up losing in seven games in the first round of the San Jose Sharks. So that's a little bit of a disappointment, I suppose, to take that much of a step back, be eliminated three rounds earlier than you were the season before. But then the following season, they're 24-19-6, and six, so 24-25 and, and 25 if you want to count all the losses together, and he gets fired. I just didn't really understand that because, again, expansion team, you and a guy who's already been to the Stanley Cup Finals just one and a half seasons ago. So I thought he got a bad deal there. I thought he got a bad deal with the Florida Panthers. And I think he deserves another chance in this league. And I'd love to see it be with the Rangers. Now, something else that's interesting, and you might have picked up on it hearing me talk about all three of his coaching head coaching tenures, is that 
All three places he's been, Columbus, Florida, Vegas, he has been fired in the middle of his third season there. And that does, I'll admit, that does make my eyebrows go up a little bit because you start to wonder, like, all right, well, is there something going on with Gallant? Is he the kind of person who just kind of butts heads with players and or management? Are there any issues like that? But I couldn't find anything like that. I mean, it sounds to me like all three times that he was fired, it was performance-based. And certainly in Columbus, there was a little bit more cause because he had missed the playoffs in the first two seasons and they had started 5-9-1 and in his third season. But these last two firings in both Florida and Vegas, I don't get it. I mean, it seems to me like he's done a pretty good job in both places and deserved to continue to be the head coach going forward. And he's somebody that, to me, deserves another opportunity. And I did see some Galat naysayers out there. And look, everybody has the right to their opinion on every single one of these coaching candidates for the Rangers. But a common point that people have been making against Gallant, if there's people out there who don't want Gallant to be the head coach, is that, well, you know, he's been fired everywhere that he's been a head coach. And you're not wrong, but you know what? He's only been a head coach in three different places. And here's the other more important thing. That's how most coaching tenures come to an end, with somebody being fired. It's really the case across all sports. And, you know, there could be a situation like the one between John Tortorella and the Columbus Blue Jackets this season, or even Rick Tockett and the Arizona Coyotes, where, you know, the coach and the franchise will say, well, you know, we've decided to amicably part ways. We've decided that it's no longer a fit, this, that, and the other thing. It's all just window dressing. Those guys were fired. They can play around with the lingo all they want. But John Tortorella, again, using him as an example, the Blue Jackets were never going to bring him back after the season that just happened. So I'm not too worried about the fact that Gallant's been fired in the past. Just about everybody who's a head coach in the NHL has probably been fired from one job or another at one time or another. So it really doesn't bother me that much. I will say it does seem to happen a little bit quicker with Gallant than it does with other coaches. And we already talked about that trend where he seems to get fired in the middle of year three with every stop that he has as a head coach in the NHL. But I'm still willing to give Jared Gallant another chance because I don't think he should have been fired from either of his last two stops. And I think he was doing a heck of a job with both the Knights and the Florida Panthers. So, yeah, bring him in. Make him the next coach of the Rangers. Something else that I really like, the fact that he was able to take a bunch of strangers in the Vegas Golden Knights locker rooms, guys that were strangers to each other, you know, again, because it was just made up of, you know, players that were taken in the expansion draft that year, guys coming from all different teams across the league. The fact that he was able to unify all those guys together and take him to the Stanley Cup Finals and did so despite not really having any superstar on his team. I mean, I guess you could make a case for Marc-Andre Fleury being a superstar. He certainly played like one that season. But again, it's a bunch of castaways and he takes them to the Cup Finals. If he comes into the Ranger locker room, I'm sure he can make it work with the talent that's in that room because there's a lot more uh, just raw, natural ability in that New York Ranger locker room than there was, in my opinion, in the Vegas Golden Knights locker room when he became the first coach in that franchise's history. And as far as his personality and just the way he carries himself, I'm a fan of it. I believe that he's kind of firm without being a complete screaming lunatic the way that certain coaches can be. If you look at, you know, some clips of him on YouTube, there's some behind the scenes videos. You know, I always, I'm a big fan of those. I love the Road to the Winter Classic show that we talked about a little bit on yesterday's episode. It kind of just puts you behind the scenes with, you know, different teams and different coaches, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just a fan of that. I love having that kind of behind the scenes access. But when he addresses his team, uh, he absolutely commands the room. He's got their attention. He's got their respect. And like I said, he can be firm with his players without screaming his head off and just ranting and raving and, you know, just turning red. And when he talks, they listen. That's the impression that I get seeing a couple of videos of him when he was coach of the Knights. So again, I like the way that he carries himself. I'm not too worried about how he'll handle certain players because again, Vegas, he basically picked up a bunch of castaways and reject. That's what an expansion draft is. You're not going to be picking up perennial all-stars and potential Hall of Famers. So I like 
like the way that he carries himself. I think he's got a good temperament. And I think that he's somebody that would be fairly popular with New York Ranger fans. I don't know that for a fact. Just kind of the impression that I get. Just kind of a gut feeling that I have. One other note about Gallant before we turn our attention to a couple of the other candidates for the Ranger head coaching vacancy is that on April 28th this year, Gallant was announced as the head coach of Team Canada for the 2021 IIHF World Championships. And I don't know, you know, if the Rangers say they were to hire him next week, would they not want him to coach in that tournament? I mean, the tournament only runs from May 21st through June 6th. It will take place in Latvia. So I'm not sure if the Rangers would want him to, uh, you know, kind of give the reins to somebody else and not participate as a head coach of Team Canada. They want him to just focus on being the Ranger head coach or if they'd be fine with him doing that. I mean, I don't think it's a big deal one way or the other. I'm sure they can come to some kind of an understanding one way or another there. But I uh, just thought I would throw that out there as well. And like I said, Gallant's my pick, but we're also going to get into a couple of other candidates in just a second here. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. All right, let's go ahead and continue with a couple of other uh, candidates to become the next head coach of the New York Rangers. And we are going to start with Mike Babcock. I'm not really feeling this one, but I will say this in support of Babcock. If you guys are simply looking for somebody who has an established track record, who has obviously done a lot of winning, then you might at least have some interest in Mike Babcock because for his career, 700 wins, 418 losses, 19 ties, and 45 overtime losses. And once again, like we've been doing with all the head coach candidates, if we combine all the losses, it's still 700 wins against only 463 losses. Just an excellent record. He has 17 years as a head coach in the league. And since his first coaching gig with the Ducks in 2002-2003, Mike Babcock teams have missed the playoffs only twice. Although it must be said that he was fired during his fifth and final season with the Toronto Maple Leafs, so obviously he didn't take them to the playoffs in that season. More on that in just a second, but the bottom line just for now, they started the year 9-10-4 and and he was fired. Babcock has led teams to the Stanley Cup Finals three times, so the credentials are there. And again, if you want 
someone who just exclusively has a proven track record of winning, then you might be more interested in Mike Babcock than I am. Because again, he has made the Stanley Cup Finals three times. The first was in his first season as head coach of the Ducks in 2002-2003. The first time that he was ever head coach in this league, he took a team to the Stanley Cup Finals. The Ducks that season were a seven seed. Nobody saw this coming. They swept the Red Wings in the first round of the playoffs. They end up going to the Finals. They lose to the Devils in seven games. So they fell just one game short of winning the Stanley Cup in Mike Babcock's first season as a head coach. Then in 2007-2008, he leads the Red Wings to the Stanley Cup. They beat the Penguins in six games. The following season, Babcock once again leads the Wings back to the Stanley Cup Finals, and this time they lose to the Penguins in seven games. Uh, he had not been able to get the Leafs over the hump in the postseason. As we just mentioned, he spent five seasons there, or four and a half, because he was fired in the middle of the fifth one. And like we already mentioned, they missed the playoffs in his first year there. But the next three seasons, they made the playoffs, but they lost in the first round all three seasons. And then, of course, last year he gets the boo, and we might as well just jump right into that right now. Mike Babcock has a history of just not being a very good person. And that's, if you listen to a lot of his former players, he's been accused of mental abuse from multiple players while with the Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Johan Franzen, who used to play for the Red Wings in particular, he accused Babcock of verbal attacks and claims that he once broke down on the bench because of things that Mike Babcock would say to him, and he used to dread coming to the arena. And this is a quote from Franzen uh, when he was discussing some of the things that Mike Babcock put him through. This is what he had to say to a Swedish paper known as Expressen. This is what he had to say. He's a terrible person, the worst I ever met. He's a bully who was attacking people. It could be a cleaner at the arena in Detroit or anybody. He would lay into people without any reason. That's pretty damning. I mean, it must be said this is just one player's account, but his story was seemingly corroborated by his former teammate, Chris Chelios. He recalled how Babcock once, you know, just completely lit in to Franzen during a game. This is what Chelios had to say about the matter. Some of the things he said to him on the bench, I don't know what he said to him behind closed doors one-on-one, -on -one, but he blatantly verbally assaulted him during the game on the bench. It got to the point where poor Johan... No one really knowing he was suffering with the concussion thing and the depression thing. He just broke down and had nervous breakdown, not only on the bench, but after the game in one of the rooms in Nashville. It was probably one of the worst things I've ever seen. So you hear something like that, and it really kind of makes you stop and wonder, you know, is this really the guy that we want as the next head coach of the New York Rangers? And look, I'm not one of those people that thinks that coaches, whether it's pro, whether it's college, whether it's high school. I'm not one of those people that thinks that coaches aren't allowed to ever yell at their players. They're not ever allowed to challenge their players. They're not ever allowed to get in the face of their players a little bit. You know, we probably have some people here who've played hockey, may play baseball or basketball or football or gymnastics, whatever it might be, whatever sport you played growing up, there's probably a pretty good chance that at one time or another, your coach kind of laid into you a little bit, or at least yelled at you or challenged you or something along those lines. And I'm not one of those people that thinks that that's never allowed to happen. But man, when you're taking it to the point where you're causing somebody to have basically an emotional breakdown and just berating them in front of the team, that's taking it a little bit too far. And I know we're all passionate hockey fans. We love this game. I know I do. We're all uh, big-time Ranger fans. We're dying to see this team get back to becoming a Stanley Cup contender and hopefully ultimately win another Stanley Cup in the not too distant future, but man, this is not life and death. I mean, you know, it's just hockey, you know, so it's not worth, you know, driving somebody to have an emotional breakdown uh, with some of the things that you say to them and some of the uh, anger that you direct at them. 
And then there was another incident in Toronto. This is pretty bad, too. So Mitch Marner was a rookie for the Toronto Maple Leafs at the time. And Babcock, what he did, he asked Marner to make a list to basically rank his teammates from how much effort they give on the ice to how little effort they give on the ice. Rank them in terms of the effort given from best to worst. And Marner did this. Now, to begin with, that's a little bit strange. I mean, it's not completely horrible, I guess, because you could maybe argue that Babcock wanted to see the team through somebody else's eyes, not just his own eyes. He wants to get a player's perspective. He wants to kind of see what Marner thinks of his teammates, et cetera, et cetera. But the part about this that's really bad is Mike Babcock then read the list to the entire locker room while Mitch Marner had to just sit there and listen to his coach read the list where he ranks his teammates from who gives the most effort to who gives the least effort. Slightly awkward, wouldn't you say? Now, in Babcock's slight defense, he did end up apologizing to Mitch Marner for doing that, but he ends up getting fired for Toronto once more and more of these stories kind of came to light in the way that he kind of just verbally abuses players. And again, I'm all for a coach. If, if you need to yell and you need to get a message across and you need to challenge certain players, so be it. But, I mean, this, this stuff crosses the line. I mean, to me, that's going too far. You guys let me know. I mean, maybe he deserves a second chance. There might be people out there who believe that. Maybe you think that he's the kind of guy that's going to come in and challenge this young Ranger team and get the most out of them. Maybe you like his extensive track record. But for me, I'm not putting Mike Babcock. He's not going to make my top three as far as people that I would like to see take over uh, as the next New York Ranger head coach. And as far as coaching style, we got to move on to the next guy here. But one more thing that I'll say about Babcock is that his teams tend to be sort of finesse teams. You know, they focus on skill and puck possession over, you know, physicality and toughness. And something that we've talked about with the Rangers, they need to add toughness. They need to add grit. They need to add snarl. Not so sure Mike Babcock is the coach that's going to go in there and demand all of those things from this Ranger group or even, you know, encourage Jury to go out and get players who could bring that to the table. So, I mean... We can't say that for sure. Maybe he would want that. Maybe he would challenge these guys to play more physical. But his track record overall, he's basically been somebody who presides over teams that are built on skill and puck possession. One other guy that I wanted to talk about today is going to be Bob Hartley. Now, if you go by the odds given by our friends at betonline.ag, you would see that Bob Hartley is apparently the runner-up to become or the second-place guy, however you want to call it. He's in second place right now, at least according to the odds. Jared Gallant is leading the way at 5-2. to two. Bob Hartley, as we mentioned earlier, is second at 7-2. to two. And, you know, it's not a pick that I necessarily despise, but I'm not really on board with this one either because if you look at Bob Hartley's track record, and he has coached 944 regular season games in the NHL, we'll talk about that more in just a second, but all of his success really came early in his tenure as a head coach in the NHL because he was the head coach of the Colorado Avalanche for five seasons, or technically four and a half because he was fired in the middle of the fifth season, but that's where he had all his success. So, he starts in 1998-1999, two straight seasons. They lose in the conference finals. In the third season, he leads the team to the Stanley Cup, and he actually won that Stanley Cup with Chris Drury on the team. So there is some familiarity there between Drury and Hartley, so I would imagine that could only help Hartley's cause. I assume it's good history, given that they won a Stanley Cup together, player and coach. But yeah, after that, I mean, the next season, they lose in the conference finals. The season after that, they start 10-8, 9-4, and he is fired. And then... He gets a coaching gig with the Atlanta Thrashers. He's there for five seasons and not a lot of success there either. They miss the playoffs. They miss the playoffs again. They miss the playoffs again. They lose in the conference quarterfinals, being swept by the Rangers that season. And then he was fired in his fifth and final season with Atlanta after starting the season 0-6. And then five years later, he gets what is to date his most recent 
head coaching gig in the NHL with the Calgary Flames. He started there in 2012-2013, lasted four seasons, but here's what happens with the Flames in those four years. Missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs again, then they lost in the second round, so a little bit of an improvement in year three. But then in year four, they missed the playoffs again, and that was it. He hasn't been a head coach in the league since then. He is now 60 years old, and that's kind of why I'm not not the age. I don't really don't care about that. But the fact that all of his success, or basically all of his success, all of the winning that he did happened early in his career, that gives me some pause about bringing him in. I mean, the last time this guy got out of the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs was 2001-2002. So forgive me if I'm not exactly uh, jumping out of my seat to uh, bring in Bob Hartley. For what it's worth, he did win the Jack Adams Award with the Calgary Flames back in there in 2014-2015. But honestly, I look at the Flames as a team that's kind of underachieved over the last, you know, basically decade or so, if you want to go back that far. To me, it's a team that never quite reaches expectations. Obviously, he presided over a handful of seasons there, four seasons to be exact. To be fair, he does have a pretty good win-loss record for his career. If we look at his entire coaching tenure throughout his days in the NHL, 944 games as a head coach in the regular season in the NHL, 463 wins, 361 losses, 61 ties, and 59 overtime losses. And if we do, once again, what we've been doing for all these head coaching candidates, and we combine his losses and his overtime losses, he's got 463 wins against 420 total losses. So it is a good record. But again, I keep going back to the fact that since 2000, 2001, or I guess you could say 2001, 2002, Bob Hartley-led teams haven't really done a whole lot. So he does have, I mean, look, he won the Stanley Cup. He had four straight seasons with the Colorado Avalanche, making it to the conference finals or further. But again, what has he done lately? He's only made the playoffs twice since 2001, 2002. So Again, the recent track record for me counts against him. Doesn't mean that he can't come in and succeed with the Rangers, but you do have to wonder at a certain point if he's one of those coaches that maybe just hasn't made the necessary adjustments as it pertains to more modern hockey. But that's going to pretty much do it for today, guys. We will continue to look at a couple other head coaching candidates in the episodes to follow. want to dive into some other things as well, though. So, you know, we'll mix it up a little bit next week. We'll look to have some guests on as well. And if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, can the New York Mets follow in the New York Knicks' footsteps? That's the cue of the day. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.